0: Hey, welcome to The Kicker. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of the Columbia Journalism Review. This week, the continuing hedge fund takeover of journalism. So this takeover of Tribune publishing by Alden Global Capital, which has sort of been in the works for a while, finally happened this week, which means that Alden continues its march to sort of consolidate the U.S. newspaper business. It now owns more than 200 publications in the U.S. In general, about half of all daily local newspaper circulation in the U.S. is now controlled by hedge funds. The narrative around what happens to a newsroom when it's taken over by hedge funds is now fairly well established, and it's not good. Jobs get cut, coverage gets pulled back. And antagonism between the newsroom and its owners grows and grows and grows. So I wanted to talk to some journalists who are experiencing this from the inside, and also talk to them about whether there is any path forward out of this. So I'm really be happy to be joined by Rebecca Lurie, who covers the city of Hartford for the Hartford Current, and is the unit chair for the Hartford Current Guild. The Hartford Current is one of the newspapers now owned by Alden. And Danielle Ohl is a reporter for the Capital Gazette and is the chair of the Chesapeake News Guild The Gazette. The Capital also is now owned by Alden. Thank you both for joining us.
1: Thank you. It's good to be here. Thank you for having us. So Rebecca, let me
0: start with you because I've read a lot about what the folks at the uh, the current are doing to try to sort of generate interest in Hartford for an alternative ownership to Alden. And this was going on before the sale was announced this week. But I'm sort of curious, you know, in the vein of like, what, what could be done about this? Sort of what is happening with those discussions and how how are they looking in terms of those back and forth between the newspaper, and the community.
2: Yeah, it's been really interesting. Um, we, we have a group of uh, anonymous uh, investors who were hoping that this, uh, this deal to Alden wouldn't go through. They wanted to uh, buy the current, and they wanted to buy it either with or, or from Stuart Bainham. Um, that's obviously not possible now, but I have spoken with the group, and they are still um, they're not giving up. You know, they're doing what we're doing. They're kind of taking a moment to regroup, uh, but they still want to save the current. Uh, and I'm hoping that we'll, you know, hear more about that uh, sometime soon. As far as engaging our community in this, um, we, you know, as, as part of the group of of newspapers owned by uh, Tribune and now Alden, we all held, uh, most of us held rallies in the last month and, and the outpouring of support was really um, gratifying just to know that this isn't just something that we want because we, you know, like newspapers, it's something that the residents, the elected officials, the community organizations um, in all of our uh, states and, and cities, they don't want to lose their source of information and, and we expect to keep engaging with them and, and keep building on the support that we have so far.
0: So. The people who are interested in possibly taking over the current, they didn't feel a sense of urgency that they had to get this done before the Alden deal was, was, was completed or it was just impossible?
2: It was initially something that Stuart Bainham was hoping, and and Danielle can probably speak more to this, but, uh, he was hoping to move with a, a group of investors from each market, and to do this is, is one kind of big collection of money from around the country. That plan uh, changed, and then it was just going to be that he was going to buy the whole thing if he could, and then spin you know the papers off to different local owners. And so, for the group in in the greater Hartford, Connecticut area, that meant. They had to wait and see. Um, they, they didn't you know, get the chance to move forward and, and try to buy it on their own. So it wasn't a lack of urgency, but just a complicated situation.
0: So, you know, this whole notion of rallying a community behind a local newspaper, to me, it's like it it's critical to finding a way out of this sort of status quo, which is newspapers sort of get, you know, find themselves on hard times, they struggle, and hedge funds are like the last remaining option. And they explore the things and then ultimately they give up uh, and they they sell. And so, and there's even some kind of romantic idea of like the community, like, like you know, locking arms with the newsroom and say, this is our thing and we wanna move forward. Um, but are there, are there examples where this has actually happened effectively that people can look to?
2: Uh, there are good examples uh, around the country. Um, the Lenfest Institute is a, uh-huh. a nonprofit, a public benefit corporation that owns uh, the
0: Philadelphia Inquirer. I mean, I, I know, like, I mean, the Lenfest example is good, although they also have had to cut back as well. Yeah. Um,
2: I mean, I will say... There's newspapers that are owned and operated by nonprofits. Uh, A lot of what we've seen over the last decade has been these small startups that fill the gaps that major newspapers have. And we have that in Connecticut. We have, you know, a small nonprofit newsroom that formed after a bunch of layoffs at the Hartford Current. And they do an amazing, you know, job, uh, but they don't replace what a local newspaper does day in and day out. They don't do that type of coverage. And I, I think across the industry, there's a lot of just study and and creativity going on to try to figure out can nonprofit newsrooms actually fill that local daily news coverage. The solution across the industry hasn't been found yet. And so all yeah. of our newspapers, Tribune and, and other companies, uh, our newspapers are part of, Something that hasn't really happened yet, but we hope it will, and that's yeah. exciting. But it's also very scary on on you know days and weeks like this when uh, it didn't happen in time to prevent something like all been coming in.
0: Yeah, Danielle, you you posted uh, something on Twitter uh, a week or so ago, which, by the way, I know must is a phrase that fills everybody with dread. What? <laughs> what did they post on Twitter? Yeah. Um, no, but you said somebody asked me a couple of days ago how it feels for the future of my newspaper to be up to like three rich guys, rich guys I've never met. And I'm here to tell you, it feels really bad. Um, and, and to me that just rings so true. And especially with what we already know about Alden, um, mm-hmm. what was the, what's the sort of tenor of the newsroom been like?
1: Um, yeah, it's certainly not been a very cheery time over the last few weeks, um, we did, of course, know that the vote for that the shareholder vote for ownership of Tribune was was coming, and like Becca said, we all held rallies, and uh, that there was there was certainly a, a sense of camaraderie and and you know, kind of one last hurrah in that. But um, we also were feeling very realistic when going into the vote. And, and we knew that it was likely that it would go through. And, um, you know, now that it has, it is, it is definitely sobering and, um, and difficult. It really is, you know, we, as journalists are, are people who typically care very much about what we do. You know, we don't do it for any of the perks that you would normally um, associate with doing something you really love. Like Like money. Yeah. Like money. We don't get paid a whole lot obviously. And uh, you know, we oftentimes are the subject of a lot of criticism and you know, whether that's fair or not, but you know, we do this because we care. And so to, to be so, um, powerless in the situation is really has been very um educating i would say that this is definitely been a very interesting crash course in uh capitalism
0: yeah. <laughs>
1: over the last couple years um but yeah especially as of late and you know to the to the question that you asked before about um about if there is a possibility, you know, we kind of set our sights on that bet, you know, benevolent um, wealthy person Mm -hmm. in our community who could potentially could potentially be the savior here. But, you know, we also saw that in the shareholder vote, there was, you know, Patrick Soon-Shiong, somebody who is considered the savior of the LA times making a decision that was not necessarily, um, the one that we would have liked you. So you really, you cannot really rely on folks with a lot of money to do what's in our best interests. Um, Um, unfortunately, a lot of times they're going to act in their best interests. Um, Mm -hmm. so we are, I think that as a, as an industry, we are still trying to find our way out of the situation that we're in right now, because, um, You know, it's really difficult to rely on uh, anyone but ourselves. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we've been so gutted over the last few decades that there's really not that many more of us left.
0: Yeah. Well, it must also be particularly whipsawing for your newspaper, which had the Mm -hmm. added horrific experience of shooting three years ago, in which a lot of the community and the broader journalism world sort of rallied around. And, and you got, a, you know, you got a lot of, a lot of people expressing how grateful they were for what, who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes in, and then, you know, fast forward to today where, where there is an opportunity for people to step up in a bigger way. And then that didn't happen. I mean, I'm sort of like, I'm sort of curious from both of you, like, Danielle just made the point, like this is a this is a crash course in capitalism. It sort of reminds me of like those old movies where like the rapacious buyer takes over the steel plant or the whatever family-owned business and, and lays everybody off, and it's just it's very much in the same vein. It seems to me that like as long as readers and the general public view newspapers and journalist outlets as another widget maker then this is the situation we're gonna find ourselves in. Um, Somehow we have to convey convey what Danielle was talking about, which is that these, these companies and these newsrooms are different. There's something different about them than any other kind of business that you see on your street. And I don't think Uh, Until very, very recently, I don't think that journalists have been that good at making that case, either either because they think that people already understand it, or journalists don't think of themselves as kind of in the sales business, selling what we do. But either of you have any thoughts about that?
1: Yeah. So I I think you're right. Um, we have historically been pretty bad at advocating for ourselves and- I think a lot of that has to do with the default position of the journalist as the observer, the wow. you know, objective um, third you know, party bystander, which has been challenged a lot, right, as of as of late. And I think for good reason. But I, I think, yeah, for a long time, you know, there really was a resistance to being the story. Um, it's like we covered the story, we're not the story. But unfortunately, I think that that's got us to where we are now, where people got really used to um, the way that news functions in their lives, which is, for years, uh, was just kind of available. Like, it, it has been free um, and really diverse right there's a there's a lot of um options out there that people can choose from so you know i i think those two things together not really educating people about the needs in our business that would keep us healthy and alive and also um not really taking action ourselves to kind of force the issue and 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 instead taking a really incremental approach to, well, you know, we we, we do have to eventually switch over to digital first, um, allowed, uh, you know, Facebook and Google and some of these um, larger tech companies to kind of gobble up the ad market. So now we find ourselves with dwindling readership of the print product, you know, because it's 2021 and everybody's got phones, um, but they also expect to get, our work and our product for free. So, yeah, it's it's um kind of a pickle and it's it's difficult to it's a difficult one to wrench people out of since we have not been doing so for many years.
0: Rebecca, do you do you see a generational shift where younger journalists are more willing to sort of like take on this it's almost kind of an advocacy role for Journalism?
2: I think the younger generation may just be a little more desperate. That's probably not uh-huh. how we usually would want to put it, but it's honest. <laughs> um, we don't have the luxury of leaving a newspaper and going somewhere else and expecting things to be any better. Most of us who've been in the business for five to 10 years um, have already done that and can look back at our old papers and say that's not what it looked like when I left um and you look at the papers you aspired to and they don't look the way they did when you were in journalism school so you kind of have the like fight or flight response Uh of I could try to figure out how to walk the like conflicts of interest and the awkwardness of talking to the media when that's not what we set out to do, or you could just do nothing. So that's, I know that's how I found myself in this position. And I, I think that's how a lot of my colleagues did too, but a lot of the veteran reporters at our newspaper have done the same thing and made the same choices because they're not done either.
0: Yeah. Do you, either of you, um, feel that do you think that Alden is i don't know what the word is redeemable <laughs> turnable um, well is open to a change of approach or do you think we know what we've got with them so we really need to spend our efforts finding an alternative
2: well Kyle you couldn't ask the question without laughing <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah
1: yeah i i mean i don't think that there's much of a chance to, I, I don't even know how we would do that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I mean, yeah, you, we, you've seen this company, um, this hedge fund, the moment they took over, um, take out, you know, a business loan from themselves at yeah. a 13% interest rate. Um, yeah. That is, that is not, the activity of uh, a, I think, persuadable um, benevolent uh, owner who is just, you know, in in it to stabilize the industry, as they say.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Maybe they were redeemable. Maybe they still are. But today was the day that they saddled all our newspapers with $278 million in debt and yeah. offered buyouts that are going to dramatically reduce the size of all of our newsrooms. So yeah. today they're not.
0: Yeah. So finally, what if I'm a, if I'm listening to this and I'm a reader of the current or the capital and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Like I this is this is not what I want. I love these outlets. I value this journalism. What do you want these people to do?
1: It's such a, I know that this is a question that we should be prepared for, and it is a question people ask us all the time, but um, it's a hard one to answer <laughs> because it's hard to know what to do at this point, but I would say that if you care about your paper, if you care about our papers, write to your congressman, like, or congresswoman, um, write to your senator, like, get vocal about it on our behalf because There, you know, we we certainly are doing the most that we can to leverage the little power that we have on our end. But, you know, there are people in this country that can make a difference um, that, you know, can can make it so that hedge funds are not necessarily allowed to gobble up shares of a public company, buy it, take it private and then take out debt to finance that deal against its own <laughs> property and pay itself at a 13% interest rate. I mean, this is an area of finance that hasn't been regulated. And, uh, you know, it, if you care, then I think that it's important to speak up.
2: I agree with that. Um, you know, the one petition we have going on right now that we're still collecting signatures on is is calling on Congress to investigate Alden. So, reaching out to your local and, you know, your, your US senators and uh, representatives is really important. And so is I think complaining to the newspaper, you know, executives themselves, if there's things that aren't getting covered that you wish were getting covered. If you wanna see more stories about XYZ or if something you read doesn't, you, know, you don't understand why the coverage is a certain way, you know you can reach out to have a conversation with your uh, local reporters and and talk to them about what they're dealing with and this is kind of like sad to even ask but if people know there's something going on in their community and they think their local reporters know about it they might not anymore because they're stretched so thin so Mm -hmm. we need tips (laughs) we need people to continue to trust us and to give us a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that we're still there and we still want to do the same uh, good job as ever, but we still need the community's help to keep us informed a little bit as we keep the rest of the public informed.
1: Yeah, and subscribe. I know it sounds a little counterintuitive. We just spent you know all this time saying how bad our owners are Um, but, you know, as long as we're still here, subscriptions are going to be the thing that keep us going and may just turn everything around. So it's super cheap to do.
0: (laughs) Rebecca and Danielle, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having us. Thank you for reporting on this.
0: You can follow CJR's coverage of Alden's moves and everything else going on on the business side journalism at cjr.org and through our daily newsletter the media today you can also follow us on facebook and twitter thanks for listening see you next week